Content is now a commodity. You can Google anything and pretty much find it. Listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how to optimize learning in organizations in order to drive greater employee engagement with training, boost performance as a result, and find ways to simplify the production of training content. We'll be focusing on the concept of micro-learning and how, what that is. We'll talk about some best practices, review some of the data around this, and also talk about how it impacts culture in an organization. To help us tackle the topic, we have with us Isaac Tolpin, co-founder of conveyor.com. Isaac, thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. Oh, so great to be here, Chad. So before I jump in, I have to let the audience know we've been trying to schedule this Yikes, probably, uh-huh. probably for six, eight weeks now. And yeah. when, when we were originally doing this, my, my first question was around children. And you actually had another one uh, as we were getting ready to do this. And your wife, you, I think we're up to eight kids now. And your wife's running yeah. CourageousMom.com. Give me That's some right. context around that, man. It just makes me tired thinking about it. Oh, well, I'll give you the short of it. I mean, a lot of times when, when I had, you know, zero or a couple of kids, I thought those people were crazy and they had a lot of kids. So we don't come from big kid background, but we just felt like what a great way to impact the world is, uh, is to, is to have one more. And, you know, we kept having one more and kept having and preparing a bigger impact in the world. So our first one just went off to college, the rest are home still. So. Wow. Eight in total. Congratulations, man. I, again, to you and to your wife, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it makes it literally, it almost makes me speechless, which is hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. They're great kids. And, uh, you know, yeah, we're just passionate about, you know, it's funny. A lot of stuff I learned in business, I take to my family and it works amazing. Awesome. Well, let's talk, I mean, let's get into the topic at hand then. So micro learning for our audience, let's start with a definition. So help them understand exactly when we say micro learning, what do we mean? Yeah. Micro learning, the simple definition is delivering content in micro pieces that, you know, aligns better with human behavior. And I would say there's, there's a whole, you know, newer definition that we're redefining too, where there's a lot of components to it, but on a simple basis, it's, you know, people have a short attention span. So it's, content broken down to smaller pieces. And so why did it become a passion of yours? What was the, what was the genesis for that? You know, I used to have an agency publishing model where we would do the content side of e-learning for celebrity influencers, corporate trainers, and so forth. And we would take a cut and they would pay us big fees and, and so forth. And when we were doing that, there really wasn't any technology. I was surprised, shocked actually, that there wasn't technology that aligned with where human behavior is today. And, you know, we're in a YouTube world, we're in a Netflix world, we're, we're in a world where everybody wants to use their phone and prefers it. And if you force them to use a computer, they already don't like it. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I just was, I was dumbfounded of, of how poor all the technology was. And that birthed the idea to, build something better from the ground up that's in alignment with where human behavior is today. 
Perfect. And, and at the heart of any type of education, there's this concept of learner trust, right? Learners have to believe what they're being taught is useful to them. This has been a challenge for years in traditional training settings. That's why two trainers from the same company may not be created equally, right? Or able to gain as much credibility with people that they're working with. I'm curious how you suggest people tr- approach learner trust with micro learning. And if there's, you know, a list of the right ingredients yeah, absolutely. You know, couple, uh, learner trust is like trusting the content is one thing, but trusting you're not going to bore me when I get another lesson is another thing. <laughs> and, and so you can go two ways with that. We used to say content is king and or queen if you'd rather, but I don't think that's true anymore. Content is now a commodity. You can Google anything and pretty much find it. Okay, so you can YouTube anything and pretty much find it. So what is king now or queen? It is great content delivered in a way that I enjoy the experience. And that if you, if you do both of those and then you have this one other element that has an objective at the end, then it's a big deal. Like if there's 10 lessons and I know that's going to hit an objective, either it's going to satisfy something for my work or I'm going to completely know everything I need to know about X, Y, and Z at the end of it. And it's great content and it's delivered in a way that I enjoy. It's not boring. It's easy. It's right for my phone. That's great. So, and then uh, your other question about the ingredients is really important. So, and this is where we've taken the definition of micro learning to a new level is, which is, Think about it this right now. If you've ever taken a course, probably the first thing that comes to mind, anybody listening, is boring. Okay, so <laughs> the first, <laughs> let's be honest, so, everybody. He's right. Yeah. So let's first, you know, you have to kill boring. And how do you do that? Well, you have to do these several things if you build a lesson for, for anybody, which is it's got to be within five minutes. I have to learn something within five minutes. So that means the video needs to be one to four minutes long. And we can talk about complex subjects and a need for more content and so forth later, because I'm not necessarily talking about less content. I'm talking about a lesson here. So one to four minutes, it's got to be delivered through a mobile device. You know, it needs to work on everything, but it's got to be beautiful on a mobile device. Where a lot of software gets it wrong is they build it for a PC and then make it work for a mobile device, like an LMS system or something stodgy like that. Okay. So then there's got to be rewards. And whether anybody admits it or not, you've got to reward people. So first of all, there's got to be completion. So when I come back, I don't have to go to that again. I can go to what the next step is and tease it up for me. But also there's got to be gamification where there's a leaderboard and I get achievement currency and, you know, that kind of thing. And there's also got to be some social learning where I can see while other people are going through this, I can kind of get a sense for how other people answered something and those kinds of things. And if you call, oh, and then one last thing is you've got to have a real-time notification. If notifications are through email, you've kind of blown it. There's so much guilt associated with the inbox. So you don't want to go there. All right. So, so if you accomplish those things and it all happens within five, seven minutes max, you are keeping learner trust and building learner trust. And then when you break it is that one time or many times that you go to 10 or 15 minutes for a lesson. Because now they're going to be like, and next time they get a notification for a lesson, they're going to be like, okay, is this one of those five minute times or is this one of those 15 minutes? <laughs> right. They don't, start, I don't, they don't know, know what they're so, walking into. They don't know. They don't know what they're walking into. Right. And so anybody here, you'll identify with this, especially if you're an executive or business owner, is that do I have 15 minutes right now to do something optional? No. Right. Do I have 10 minutes? No. Do I have five minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I enjoyed it. And there's that, I, I want to make sure my name looks good on the leaderboard. 
even though you don't really say that to yourself, but your subconscious <laughs> is saying that to yourself. So, so yeah, you got to have all those psychological factors. And, you know, if that sounds hard, well, it's not, we actually made it super easy to do all that. And so what about retention, right? So just in time learning or this micro learning, have you seen it impact retention for learners? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, what my argument is that if you go micro, you are creating a deeper learning experience. And some people, especially people that really care about their content are like, well, there's no way I can explain this concept in, you know, five minutes. And what I would say is take your 20 minute video and break it into three, five minute videos, get rid of the fluff. You know, they can still consume it all in a row, but now you're having completion every five minutes with gamification and so forth. So you're hitting all the right psychological drivers and there's enough disruption and change happening to retain them. I'll give you an example. He's a keynote speaker, consultant on innovation, one of the best. And he goes into a company and he leaves afterwards a 30-day innovation challenge that's built in our software. I'm bringing him up because there's a case study we did on him where the th three companies in the case study are Capital One, Marriott, and Coke. And it was fascinating because every time they deployed the same course to their people in those three companies, it was made optional. And I think that's cool. In fact, they saw higher retention when they made it optional, which I thought was fascinating. But what happened was it was 30 lessons and they got one lesson a day over 30 days. It would text their phone and there'd be a link. They hit the link and boom, they're in the next lesson. And they can see any of the previous lessons after they do that lesson if they want to. Uh, when they answer, first of all, it'd be a gamified question. Uh, multiple choice where there's a right answer and three wrong answers and they keep choosing until they get it right and they get a variable amount of points based on how they how much time they took and if they how many times they get a wrong answer and a right answer then a video appears one to two minutes of reinforcing that training he did live with them and teaching that concept and what was fascinating about it is the retention was unbelievable these were mid middle managers too so let's see here uh, coke got 76 percent completion of all content over 30 days marriott 77 and capital one was 100 percent completion everybody did every single lesson wow that's a big i mean uh, being up that high in a voluntary thing but to actually hear you say 100 percent that's that's impressive yeah, it was beyond what I expected, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, it's great. It's a great case, right? And so when, all right, so that's, think about that, though. Let's think about it for a second. 30 days, you got a question you got to come up with, one to two minutes worth of video. Let's talk about the production of it. it some people are comfortable talking into a camera or thinking that way, breaking it down. Some people aren't. Are there tricks that you have found, or I shouldn't say tricks, are there best practices or, or ways that you have found to make that? content production accessible in such a way that the energy continues to be consistent across, you know, all those 30 days worth of videos. Yeah, it's a good topic because this is where the breakdown is in L and D departments, HR and so forth. They can never create enough training fast enough because production is so hard. So then you can never have, see, you know, creating the right culture, influencing an organization, creating behavior change can't be an event-based thing. So if you just have training, once in a while and it's not designed in a way people enjoy you're not really moving the needle you want to you're probably solving your compliance issues but that's about it but if you fix production if you take the friction out of your production then you open the whole world up to you know really moving you know employee engagement retention of employees training all of those things and so the keys are first of all when it's a shorter video it's easier to edit 
Right, so right. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy now to shoot a three minute video and potentially capture it all in a one take. So you do like three one takes with somebody and you pick the best one and you edit the front and back. And it's also people will tolerate a talking head video if it's under five minutes and if, if it's brought to life with engagement and so forth. They'll never tolerate it if it's just talking at them. But if they can experience content with engagement formats and things like that around that video, then that's key. So so now we have a, we have a big win already. The next thing is, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy. I mean, even a new phone has good enough video quality to capture great video. I'll give you guys an example. There was a L&D leader of a, a hospital conglomerate at 11 hospitals. He was, you know, creating training for them. And he's just like, we got to make this easier. And this is before I ever talked to him. And he uh, took out his iPhone and captured a surgeon doing a, you know, a very short technique. And this surgeon had to teach this technique over and over and over and over and over again to other doctors. And they were hoping to eventually get, you know, some training around this. And here's this L&D leader just going, that's it. This is taking way too long. Whips out his phone, says do it, captures it in less than five minutes, puts it up on their website. And it was like revolutionary for them. They're like, I can't believe you just did that. And, it's, and it looks good. And, you know, now I don't have to train this anymore. So I think that's an interesting example because a surgeon would be the most potentially careful in feeling like production needs to be really good or a hospital you would think would need to, oh, we need to make sure this is perfect. In reality, getting it out is what's perfect and making sure that the content's there. But now make sure you put it in a software that brings those videos to life because if all the pressure's on the video, production's hard. But if there's software that brings that video to life, now there's less pressure on it. Now we can go shoot those videos and get the best practices and share them. Yeah, and I like the point with the, I mean, the, you know, LinkedIn videos and all that stuff has started to explode, right? And everybody's, it's all this debate about what's too long, what's too short. And I just saw, um, I think it's called Smooth. It's a, basically a gimbal for your phone that you can, I mean, it stabilizes it so you don't get the shaky on the video. You can do quick shots. You can have it track an individual or, or something in a moving frame. So it provides a lot of the functionality to produce really compelling content. And I think your point that it's, you know, if you put the pressure on the video, things can break down. I think it's the delivery of that video. I think you've got a very valid point there that everybody should really make sure they're, they're catching because it's one thing to put together the video. You can look great on film or on digital, but if it's delivered in a, in a clunky way that creates friction, I think your micro learning starts to suffer. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, it also opens up an opportunity for just in time learning, which is so powerful because, you know, and what just in time learning is, is delivering a lesson to a person just in time, just when they want to consume it and only giving them just enough too, so they don't feel overwhelmed. What I think is dead is having courses in some web-based library somewhere or videos somewhere and telling your employees to go watch them. I think that's completely dead. All you're doing is putting a big monkey on their back and eventually they feel guilty about it and they do it right before the deadline and they're not really learning and consuming. And the experience matters. You've got to create things in a way that aligns with your overall culture you're trying to build because it you know, really matters. But just in time training, think, imagine this. There's people that have best practices in every department all over someone's company. And one of the greatest ways to drive the culture forward is to make heroes out of your people. 
And if you're, if it's easy now to do production, to capture something, you take a camera over, you can shoot, hey, tell me how you're doing this. What's the best way to do that? And if you now create a part of your culture is every week, everybody gets two or three lessons dripped out to them. Then now it's easy to create content. You have an ongoing rhythm of learning that drives a real culture forward, learning culture. And you're making heroes out of people by letting them be the trainers on some of those videos. And I just think it's a massive win for, you know, the initiatives companies are looking for. Well, and you're talking, I mean, we, I know we started focusing on culture, but that you're, you're leading into cultural impact, right? That concept of making your employees heroes. I mean, the latest stats show that people learn better when they learn from peers. So to be able to see other individuals in those situations, I would think would have to be extremely powerful for the individuals that are being trained or that are being showcased and empowering for the culture as a whole. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, you know, what, because when now what are you doing? You're reinforcing good behavior. You're, everybody else is learning from it. And they're like, wow, this is a way I can make progress. I mean, everybody think about yourself for a second. You know, when do you feel the best? When you are learning new things in alignment with an area of your life that enables you to make the most progress. And so, what is the way to have great employee engagement? It's to make sure people are getting the resources and learning and then getting recognized for implementing and doing things in the best possible way. And that recognition now gives them hope that people are paying attention to me and I can make progress in this company. Yeah, it's amazing. It has such wide ranging impacts. And I was really curious before we got to do this, the whole production aspect of it, right? I, I started my career in marketing and then jumped to the dark side of sales. But that whole <laughs> that whole production, I mean, it's always been a challenge. I think today, though, the tools are out there. And to create, you know, when you're doing it in those small snippets, you're right. It's not hard to edit a three minute video. And if you can speak correctly with moderating your ums and ahs, you're right. You might be able to get it in one take and it doesn't take a long time to get it out there. So I'm trying to think through like from a sales organization standpoint, if I've got a push in my quarter and I'm looking at my analytics and I know, happen to know that, I don't know, maybe a big percentage of the deals are stuck in this certain stage in literally 30 minutes, you could put out a, a quick, you know, produce and put out a quick snippet video to help individuals with deals in that stage and empower them even globally, depending on the distribution of it, to take action. So it's it's not just just in time for people. It can also, I would think, be just in time for organizations. Or am I missing something? Yeah, exactly right. You're exactly right. So, and you could have a running campaign where you're just constantly adding new lessons to it. So based on the needs of the sales department right now, you go, wow, I'm going to add, let's do this next week. Let's do this the following week. And you could be just adding it as you go. And it's dripping these things out to them via text or a push app, push notification. Or if your company's in the dark ages, you can do email. (laughs) So (laughs) I love it. I love it. No, Hey, hey, you're preaching to the choir. You're preaching to the (laughs) choir, my friend. Excellent. All right. So let's change direction a little bit here. I ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a revenue executive yourself, that means you are a prospect for other individuals. So no doubt people are reaching out to you all the time, telling you that they have something you need. I'm always curious curious to learn if somebody doesn't have a referral in, if they don't have a relationship with you, what works the best to capture your attention and builds credibility and, and inspires you to give them 15 minutes to talk to them? 
if I can tell they wrote it, that they literally wrote it personal to me because they looked at my LinkedIn profile. If it's very, very short and you're not asking for something uh, right when you wrote me the first time. Yeah. Provide value first. That's a big one, right? Provide value first. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, professional services people, or in this case, HR and, and, and learning uh, teams, one piece of advice you could give that you would believe helped them hit their targets uh, and, you know, and crush their quotas or whatever, what would it be and why? It's, I mean, you have a sales funnel and you have people in varying places and it's give your best, your personal relationship best to the people that are, you know, closest to close in your pipeline. And you spend the most time with the people that have shown the most interest so far and make it very, you know, unique and personal. Excellent. Excellent. Isaac, I appreciate it. So if a listener wants to know more about you or uh, conveyor.com, some specific place you would send them in addition to the website? Yeah, conveyour.com, Y-O-U-R.com. And then IsaacTolpin.com is kind of my personal stuff. And, you know, you mentioned CourageousMom.com for my wife in the beginning. Yeah. And guys, let us let me stress that again. We're, we're talking eight kids and they both run businesses. So I don't ever want to hear anybody tell me they're tired. All right. So, <laughs> Isaac, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show. It's been great to have you. Yeah, great to be here, uh, Chad. Enjoyed it. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Do us a favor, write us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.